0: And again, answering are the Eagles.
1: Catto now for three. That's
0: two in a row for the freshman.
1: The steal, the spin, behind the back, behind the back, splitting the double team. Here we go. Ryan Thomas with a jam. Back
2: with authority for his
1: oh. first point of the night. That could be an SC top 10.
0: What's going on, guys? This is Screecher Report. This is E. Keezy, <laughs> Elliot Cressy. I always used to go by that nickname. People actually do call you that, so I can't even like make fun and be like. They used to call me when I yeah, when, when I cool when I made beats in high school and thought I could go somewhere with music, and now I just make it when I'm bored and actually put it in the podcast. So I guess that's kind of cool, right? Let's.
2: Uh, I'm gonna plug you right now. All of our music in the podcast is created, developed, and nourished by. <laughs> By our own Elliot Cressy. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Of Thank course. you very much. But now it's... uh Oh, yeah. Russell is, is on the mic. As, I don't do anything. As no, as I, I just
2: write and talk.
0: He writes, talks, acquires puppies. He acquired a new dog. I, I did get a dog. It's, not it's a the st- age of getting a dog because nobody has friends because of quarantine.
2: Yep. Actually, like, I mean, we were... We just moved um, and... So we've been looking after we got settled in, we're looking for a dog basically daily from the Humane Society and other shelters around. And like the supply is so much less than it usually is. It's usually like I'm talking 100 dogs. It's like 20 on a good day, 15 sometimes. But I guess that's good. I mean, people are adopting animals and hopefully treating them right. There's
0: been a lot of silver lining out of all of this. Like I went to go buy a bicycle because one, I need exercise and two... (laughs) I've been looking at motorcycles, but I'm like, you know, I should probably get my bearings straight on a regular bike before I go (laughs) Before I learn how to ride a non-motorized bicycle. A gas-powered... Death trap, no. (laughs) Speed demon. Yeah. Anyways, there's no bikes. You go to Walmart, there's no bikes. There's only kids' bikes. I went to a bike shop. They didn't have what I wanted. I went to another bike shop. they had about two choices and you probably
2: spend about a thousand bucks.
0: one met my needs, and it was yeah, it was six hundred dollars Oh, uh, no, <laughs> and I don't ever remember when bikes were that expensive no. I, and and I think it's because now there's like twenty five different subcategories of bike like there's hybrid cross trek there's road there's mountain cruiser bike, whatever yeah um and Needless to say, I got a bike, and I'm biking, and that's fun, but I don't know how we got on this. T- I think we just silver lining. <laughs> yep. silver, yeah, the silver lining is... There you go. Back on track. Everybody, in, at least in my neighborhood, is walking, walking their dog, running outside, doing cartwheels in the street, You know, going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> are,
2: you sure, are you sure that's a good thing,
0: doing cartwheels in the middle of the street? It just depends on who's yeah. doing it. Yeah, I hear you. But no, there's... there's and I got to look at that sometimes. With all the negativity going on in the world, you got to look for the silver lining with Mm -hmm. with some of the bad but yeah well tonight we had the special privilege of talking with brett Comer. everyone that's an fgcu fan knows who brett Comer is
2: yeah if you're listening to this podcast you know who that is
0: if you don't you should probably just like turn it off and go watch some of the youtube highlights from 2012 we got got
2: a video up there of, of a cool dunk
0: yeah um yeah Actually, our channel's got like half a million views on that.
2: Yeah. Hey, go check out Screecher Report on YouTube. I'm Uh, not going
0: to say that I I created it myself. I kind of just... Oh, it's okay because we're not monetizing it. No. I kind of reposted it to get the FGCU name out there for the world to see, and it worked. Some
2: might say that that was a seedling of Screecher Report.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, enough about our bullshit. Um, (laughs) Our past endeavors. It was really great talking with... Brett, and he shared a lot of special moments about FGCU, uh, his path after graduating, how he ended up at Dayton, and just some of the inside look at what he's doing today, and it was just overall great catching up with him, and enjoy the interview. So join us tonight is a special guest, Brett Comer, Um, all-time leading assist at FGCU, 24th in NCAA and second in scoring all-time at FGCU, often referred to as the maestro, quarterback, founding father of Dunk City. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty well. Pretty well. Uh, As well as you can be in these times, but,
1: you know. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you.
0: So, uh, after graduating in 2015, um, life took you over to Indiana University at Pennsylvania where you were a volunteer assistant coach. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so the whole road after I graduated got a little – there's no better word for it than weird. Um, (laughs) Obviously, I I didn't want to go overseas, so I kind of tried to figure out what do I want to do. So I went the G League route, um, which got drafted by Grand Rapids Drive, like the third round, I think the seven-round G League draft. Um, I went third round to Grand Rapids. I went for training camp and, you know – One of my biggest mistakes when I played college basketball is I didn't take care of my body too well. So I went up to Grand Rapids, kind of blew out my knee. I couldn't really participate in the last couple days. So I got cut. And then after that, I was like, man, you know what? I'm burnt out. on working out. I know that sounds really bad. I'm burnt out on working out and working on my game. When I know when I'm done playing, I want to coach anyways. Why not try to get the coaching? So I was fortunate enough that Joey Canton's was on staff at IUP in Pennsylvania and you know he he told me on hey you can come live and sleep on my couch for a year.
2: <laughs> Sweet deal.
1: And and you can, you know, help and kind of be almost as a third assistant and kind of just learn the business with your, you know, just getting into it right away. So I took him up on that and, and slept on his couch for a season at IUP.
0: Awesome. I'm sure that was a good experience. Oh, it was
1: awesome. It, it, you know, it, it made you kind of realize what the real world is like, you know, as a college athlete. You don't kind of, you, you think you understand the real world until you actually have to work a, a nine to five, which I know that sounds crazy nine to five because it's really a seven to nine, but you know, you, you know, just kind of yeah. working and, and kind of understanding what the coaching business is. And obviously, you know, I was lucky enough to join Joey at one of the best probably D2 programs in the country, which Joe Lombardi still coaches, and I think he wins the league every year. So, you know, it was a great experience just to kind of learn and kind of be with somebody also that, you know, I kind of played for. Joey was Dobo, was Dobo our first two or three years, so it was somebody I was familiar with, which also helped and kind of just being able to learn from him a little bit.
0: Gotcha. So after uh, your stint at IUP, um I remember reading that you were stepping away from basketball for a bit to finish up your schooling. And then how did that go from transitioning to that to how did you end up at Dayton and what was that experience like?
1: So to be really honest, like after that, that division two year, like I loved coaching, but I didn't really know how to go about getting into it. So I kind of went into a master's program was like, you know what, I'm going to step away from basketball so I stepped away for about a month and a half, and then uh, I had the opportunity to play for an ABA team. Um, I didn't really want to do it, but there's some coaches. The coach who ran it we, uh, was an assistant at Iona, and we played against them almost every year at Florida Gulf because so I was familiar with them. So I played a couple games. My knee still wasn't good enough to kind of play. So I actually jumped on the coaching staff for the, the tail end of the season, went from there, and then actually – was fortunate enough that I called Michael was Like, Hey, I need to get back into this business. Who can you reach out to? What can you get for me? And, uh, luckily I ended up in the position where I am now.
0: Awesome. So then this past year, you know, the Dayton squad had arguably one of the best seasons in the history of the school. And then everyone was shocked by the news on, I think, March 12th when, when sports started shutting down, you had all of March madness, you know, shut down, and the original plan was to continue games without fans, and I can't imagine how uh, heartbreaking that was for you, but even more so for the guys. Um, can you take us through firsthand experience, what that was like, and how the guys are coping, or maybe they haven't coped with it yet?
1: So, it was it was interesting because, obviously, there were some talks about COVID before we left our conference tournament. You know, our conference tournament it's hosted uh, at the Brooklyn Nets facilities. We play at their court in, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, so there was some talks about COVID. It wasn't extremely serious at the time, I would say. You know, um, so we flew up to Brooklyn. We, you know, we, we we had a double buy since we were the one C. So we kind of you know treated everything as normal. And then you know the day before our game, you know it's UMass versus I think it's VCU. You know our so our head coach, Coach Grant, and some of the assistants go to watch the game for scouting purposes. And we get the call that, hey, your conference tournament's over. I'm like, oh, man. And even to backtrack a little bit, the night before is when Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive. So we're like, ah, I tested positive. They suspend the game, and the next day they go scout, and that was canceled. So we're sitting there like, man, you know, okay, they canceled the tournament. There's no way they cancel an NCAA tournament just due to, there's no better way to put it, but the, the money purposes. The, the amount of money the NCAA makes off the NCAA tournament. They're not canceling that. So we get on our flight back the next morning to fly back to Dayton, and, and boom. I think it was a Twitter a Twitter post. Hey, the NCAA tournament's canceling. And we're all sitting there like, this, it was the quietest plane ride I've ever been a part of. And then we get back to campus, and we meet, and... You know, know, I think as a whole, I've never seen that many grown men and college athletes cry together at the same time, just realizing, like, everything special we accomplished during the year. You know, we lost, I think it was like three or four games in the year, went 20 in a row undefeated in conference play. And it's just over like that. It was heartbreaking seeing our seniors and then a guy like Obi Toppin, who's going to be a lottery pick, never going to play in an NCAA tournament. You know, when – Everybody thought in and worked for basically year three, which it was for Coach Grant to kind of get to this point. It, 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 was, uh, it was heartbreaking for our staff and players.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, like, and even just relating it back to like us as fans, like obviously just having that connection with with you, with an FGCU legend at Dayton, that's we're, you're, I mean, Dayton becomes sort of an FGCU fan's like secondary team. Obviously, we weren't going to go to the tournament. So it was like, all right, we need Dayton to go. And, you know, you guys were looking so good. So from an athlete perspective, a coach perspective, a fan perspective, it was just bad. But, um, I mean, and even going along that, it's like uh, there, was, there were Cinderella's this year that didn't become Cinderella's mm-hmm. because it, it wasn't played. And, uh, like, imagine if this happened in – season and then there was no dunk city you know it's it's just crazy what what couldn't what potentially didn't happen that would have happened but
1: um, and i I think for me that's why it was you know i'm not gonna say it it hurt me the most because obviously that we had players other staff members that have done special things but for me because i i I realize and understand what one incident of a tournament can do for your playing career, career afterward, and just life as a whole. Like, you know, some of our guys obviously were planning on being really good next year and playing in an by tournament, but the the day, you never know what's going to happen, and that was a, you know, there's, there's no argument. We were a one or two seed in that NCAA tournament. So just just having that taken away from us due to a, you know, a virus, which I understand. I get you have to look out for the safety of of student athletes, staff. Like I, I understand why they canceled it, but just seeing what it, you know, an opportunity like that does to guys, it, it sucks. Because you know, you know, we had a lot of transfers, we had a lot of younger guys who kind of built up to this year, and you know, you don't know if you ever will go back. You know, obviously, I think I have talked to Fly about this too. Like in the A10, you get more than one team, which helps, yeah. but. You know, some of these schools, you you have to win your conference tournament to get in, and like you win your conference tournament, some of them have, and it's like, oh well, congrats, you won your conference tournament, but you're done. It, it, it's heartbreaking for you know me, our staff, our players, along with you know every school around the country. Yep.
2: Yeah. yeah, man. It, it. I mean, like you said, you understand why it's done, but it doesn't make it hurt any less. Um. You uh. You mentioned Obi Toppin. Obviously, what I mean, he's a, a stud. And what's it like working with a guy, um, you know, being around a guy who's at that level and just, I mean, maybe a top 10 pick and coming up. and, And he looks like Stoudemire to me, maybe Al Horford. What do you see in him? What's it like being around a guy? Where does he compare kind of with guys you've been around before?
1: So he is amazing to work with. And the fact, you know, coming to Dayton, he wasn't highly recruited. You know, he didn't play his freshman year. He had a red shirt. You know, he's kind of an under-the-radar guy, right? Then his sophomore year, you know, he made all-conference first team. He didn't start the first probably six games of the season. was still the same kid that he is today. And the fact is, like, you know, he's a kid that loves to come in the office and just talk. He's a kid that his teammates love to be around. He's a goofy type of kid. And then, you know, you see him go from, Academic red shirt, not many scholarship offers to a first team to the national player of the year by everybody. You know, it, it was awesome to see a kid like that and be able to work with a kid like that that didn't change who he was no matter how good of a basketball player he became. Which, which I think that's the most special thing about guys and why they make it is because he was still the same goofy kid that just loved to be around people and talk to people. No matter who they were, and didn't they treat anybody differently, even though he was, there's no argument to me at least, the best player in college basketball. Wow. Me and him have a really, really, really good relationship. Um, I talked to him today, actually. So um, he, he's going to be no doubt about it, a lottery pick. I think he could even go top five. So I, I'm nothing but happy for him. But also, like kind of we hit on earlier, it's sad to see him not playing into the tournament because at the end of the day us working with him every day and seeing how special that he is. It all, the only thing that NCAA tournament could have done was help him because he's that special of a player and as, and as a person.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible and wish the best of luck to him in and, and the NBA draft and uh, hopefully he can make some memories in the NBA and continue on. So jumping to FGCU basketball, uh, what's it like being removed from the university now for, I guess, it would be five years? I mean, how's your connections with with uh, FGCU staff, uh, Coach Michael Fly, any of the old players, your old teammates, maybe some current players. Uh, how's how's that going?
1: So I'm not going to lie. You guys made me feel really old when you said it's been five years. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 we feel I'm, it too, man. but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like five years. No, yeah, no. we're in the same boat. Uh, at all, so. Um, You know, I still talk to Fly probably once or twice a week. I talk to Joey weekly. Um, I talk to Enfield occasionally. Uh, Marty Richter, I talk to him probably still weekly. Uh, Joe Dooley, I talk to him weekly as well. Like, I talk to all those that coaching staff still a lot. I think a lot of it has to do with, obviously, we did something really special together. But at the same time, being in this business, now, I kind of understand why Maybe infield did things the way he did, or why do we did things the way he did? You get a better understanding for, you know, I was hard on you then because of this. I was trying to build a program then because of this. So I take the player side out of it in a way with them because I understand. I appreciate all the lessons they kind of taught me as a kid, you know, to the adult I am now. So the growing up process with them was awesome, and I still talk to them all the time. Um, players, you know, I still talk to Sherwood here and there, Bernard, Chase, like. We still all message here and there. We actually thought about, uh, putting a TBT team together for this year. Obviously this was before all the COVID stuff, which would have been awesome to do to get everybody kind of reunited and back together. It didn't work out. So we don't, we still talk a lot. You know, there's about 11 or 12 of us that still communicate and try to put a team together. But, uh, no, I, I appreciate my time there. I still talk to, uh, a little bit here and there. Caleb Cato actually just try to help him with becoming a leader, becoming the player that, you know, he's a really good player. He can become special. Um, but, you know, I'm, I still watch all the games. I still communicate with Fly all the time. And, you know, I think next year is going to be a good year for
2: him. Cool, man. I mean, it's nice to keep in touch with all the old friends. I mean, don't tease us now with that with that team. Like, now we all want to see that uh, when all this gets back to normal. But, um, <clears throat> you know, you mentioned you talk with – coach fly a lot. Um, you talk with, uh, coach Dooley, you talk with coach Enfield. I mean, now that you're kind of getting into the coaching side of things, are you like, I mean, what do you think your style is kind of coming? Where do you pull from? Obviously all of them, but you got pretty, pretty different uh, styles between a guy like Dooley and a guy like Enfield. Um, what do you kind of pull from?
1: So to, to be honest with you guys, I pull from everybody. So, obviously, there's things I was able to learn from Enfield and style of play from him. And then, you know, obviously the same from Dooley with, you know, disciplinary-wise and kind of the way he played. And you, you know, from, from every coach that I played for, or even working for Coach Grant, who's unbelievable, there's things you like, there's things you don't like. So, it's just it's just kind of remembering the things you like, things you don't like, and just kind of making it your own way. So, I've been very fortunate enough to, you know, be able to play for a guy like Enfield. Be able to play for a guy like Dooley, who are big time coaches. Play for Coach Grant, who was National Coach of the Year. I think by everybody, the same people that voted for OB, Coach Grant got every Coach of the Year award. So I've been very fortunate enough to learn and be able to play for really, really, really good coaches that you know, all I can do is benefit from that. So I've, like I said, I've been very lucky and you know, hopefully one day I can be in Coach Grant's shoes or Dooley or infield or fly shoes and be able to run my own program and I'll be able to play fast and and use all the lessons I've learned and taught from them and kind of just be able to translate it to my guys.
0: And speaking of, you know, the coaching aspect of things, uh, head coach Michael Fly, he's got a very pivotal year three uh, upcoming. And as we talked with um, Dana Caldwell on the last last podcast, uh, you know, us fans – the whole birth of Dunk City and, and the fans since that era have been spoiled with, you know, 20 win seasons and winning and we haven't, you know, had to go through a rebuild process like we are now and um it, it's tough and and like I said, we're spoiled. So what's that like? I know you kind of experienced a little bit of a rebuild when when Dooley entered the scene, but what's that like from your experience and, and how, how do you see that going into year three?
1: So, I think, I think this is the biggest thing that I've told everybody that I've ever talked about Florida or put Basketball with or podcast or whatever it may be. Everybody needs to calm down. <laughs> like, like, that's the best way to put it. And, that, and that's sad because, you know, what we did with Enfield was special. And let's be honest, there's only one team in the program to ever do it. And that was us yep. as a 15th seed. You know what I mean? Like, there's not many programs that. Just turn division one, go to an NCAA tournament and then win games in the tournament. That's, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And your second year of
1: eligibility. <laughs> Correct. Second year of eligibility with a second year head coach. Like there was a lot of unnormal things that happened there that year. Um, and then, you know, we bring in Dooley and, you know, it's a, it's a change for myself, Bernard, Chase, Eric McKnight. So it's a different coaching style, but, you know, Dooley won a lot. As well, because he had a lot of returning pieces and able to recruit really well. My thing with fly is, you know, most programs are given three or four years to get built, and this is the first time it's really had to be built. Like for us, even at Dayton, this is year year we just finished year three. Like we did something that was extremely special. You got to give a guy at least three or four years to develop and make the program his own. Like Dooley's was obviously different because he had a junior and me, a junior and Bernard a senior and Chase like there were some different things there. But Fly, you know, he had a a whole bunch of different players, you know, some he liked, some he didn't like. He feels very comfortable with the guys returning right now, and he really, really likes the kids he has coming in a lot. So to say that this is the year that he has to win, I think that's also a little unfair just due to everything going on in the world right now. Like, you got to think in a normal, typical year, we're starting workouts here soon. You know, we're, we're we're learning offenses. We're implementing offenses. We're implementing defense. We don't know when that's going to happen. So to say that like he has to win this year or he's out, I don't know if that's necessarily fair because if you look around this year, not too many guys got fired that maybe should have due to the coronavirus. You know what I mean? So I, I think he I think he has a good roster that he likes. I think he's going to implement some good things offensively defensively, but. To say this is the make-or-break year for him, I don't think that's fair just due to COVID-19 and everything going on.
2: Sure. Um, and, I mean, I've always been of the belief that um, you just got to get better. It's not like you got to get to the peak of the mountain every time. Um, and a lot of people, um, you know, this past year, 10 wins. A lot of people sort of equated that to uh, your your freshman year team, Um obviously you guys kind of caught fire at the end there, but just so many close games. um, And, you know, this team, there were so many close games. A lot of them just, you know, one bad decision at the end of a game or whatever it is, just is the difference between, you know, going into the conference tournament with a really good record versus, you know, an average one. And so, I mean, that's really what at least me personally is looking for going into next year. It's his second recruiting class and, you know, just kind of building off of that. So yeah, speaking of new guys coming in, um, we got a freshman coming in point guard, Luis Rallone, who's getting a lot of comparisons to you just based on style of play. He's pass first, um, doesn't necessarily have a shot yet, but I mean, there's four years to develop that. And, you know, you obviously developed a pretty good shot by the end of your career. But um, yeah, I mean, we're really excited about the incoming class and Anytime we get somebody who's being compared to you, that's exciting. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Fly's actually talked to him, talked to me a lot about him, just in the fact that he is similar to me. I know he loves the, the London kid. He loves the other kid from uh, the other stretch shooter that he has coming in. Like sure. He loves his class coming in, even the kid from Oko, he, like He talks to me all the time about him. But, you know, he he really does like that point guard a lot and the fact that he is a, a play-making point guard, which, call me crazy, I think a lot of programs are kind of going away from. You know, a lot of people are going for a shooting point guard, mm-hmm. a scoring point guard in a way, even though I love the pass-first point guard because I think it, you need somebody like that to run the team. So, you know, ho- hopefully, you know, the kid, the kid develops and he becomes a, a really good player in person and it works well for fly. But, you know, he's really excited about that whole class coming in and him. So,
0: yeah, um, you know, recently Ken Kavanaugh went on the radio and talked about the, the new Hall of Fame for FGCU Athletics. And it was a unanimous decision that, you know, the Sweet 16 squad was the first, you know, team slash members to be recognized. And that's a pretty awesome honor to be the first of a university to be in the Hall of Fame like that. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: No, I mean, like, like, like you guys said, it it is awesome. Um, I think, you know, I don't mean this in any type of way towards us. It's well deserved in a way because, you know, I think we were able to help put FGCU kind of on the map.
2: You don't need to be modest. We got an SB out of that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, trust me. I still get, I get, I get that all the time from our staff. So yeah, the SB was great. Um, you know, I, like I said, like, you know, I think that it's well deserved from, you know, not just myself, but the, the staff and the, the players, you know, kind of all the hard work and, and time we put into it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the, uh, them obviously adding, you know, some women's basketball players, Chris Sale, all that. Like, I think obviously all that need to be included as well. But, you know, I, I, like for us, you know, I, it, it's well deserved and we appreciate it as a whole. I'm hoping to be able to come down there for it. Obviously it depends on our schedule, but I've talked to Enfield. Um I talked to Fly, you know, we're trying to figure out a way to maybe come down there, but um no, we we, we appreciate it as a as a team and we were able to accomplish that year with special, so 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 it's just an awesome honor.
0: That was gonna be my follow up question to see if you were gonna make it to that game. I know logistically it might be hard and difficult, but it would be really cool if we could get most of that team back and do like a pre game scrimmage, but I know that's that's
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> thinking too high. Oh. Uh, I don't know about a scrimmage because I don't think I could do it anymore, but you know, <laughs> I'd love to be down there and spend some time with my guys and the staff. Um, obviously, the main thing for me, and I think a lot of our guys is me, obviously, with our schedule. I don't know when we'll be playing. Luckily, I, play, I, I work for um, a guy like Coach Grant who's very understanding of stuff like that and kind of what an honor like that is. So he'd be open to it if we don't have a game. But our other guys, as long as they're not playing, I think I can imagine a lot of them will be there. But it'd be it'd be great to be able to have everybody kind of in the same room and and, and just be able to be around each other and and just kind of you know remember something that was very special to us as a whole.
0: For sure. Do you have um, any favorite moments of your time at FGCU that may you know we may not know of or? or people may not know of the kind of your favorite moments from behind the scenes.
1: Huh? That's a good, you know what, after all the years of talking about this, no one's actually ever asked me that, which is interesting.
2: Well, you heard it here first on screecher report.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of my favorite moments, which meant the most to me, which I don't think a lot of people know about. I don't think I've ever even really talked about. So, so our sophomore, my sophomore year, which is the, the 2013 season, I mean, 2012-2013 season, Um is after I think we beat Georgetown. You no, know, I obviously, I got a lot of pub about my dad passing away. But a lot of people didn't realize the same thing happened with Eric Knight. His dad passed away. So, I don't after that game, he, we could, he came with me and he hugged the shit out of me and goes, you know, my dad passed, This is, you know, and kind of we just shared a moment together about our dad's passing and wishing that they were here to be able to kind of see what we did. So that's one moment that will always be close to my heart. You know, another one would be after my freshman year, you know, we played Belmont in that championship. We probably had no business being in that championship, but we got hot at the right time. Um, you know, we, we were winning that first half, but, um, you know, they kind of uh, changed some things defensively, and we really struggled that second half. But I remember after that game, I'm not sure if it was Coach Enfield or who it was, but they made us stand kind of behind the bench and watch Belmont celebrate. Mm-hmm. I always remember looking at standing there next to Bernard and Sherwood and looking at both of them saying, we're not going to feel like this again. Mm-hmm. You know, and that next year we ended up winning a conference championship at Mercer and doing what we did in the tournament. So I think those two are really special to me and uh, kind of just moments that I'll always remember kind of for the rest of my life and just kind of how, you know, just seeing the people side of it. Like we could talk about basketball, we talk about the lobs, we could talk about all that, but I think it's more the relationships and the people around us that kind of are more fond of moments to me.
2: Always. I mean, that's a, an example of a tough love as a, as a motivator and just a special moment with a teammate. You can't really beat that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man, Wilt.
1: I and I, think, and I think that's why we were so good in a way, you know, that year is because we really got along as a team. Like, we did everything together. We all lived in one building. We all hung out together. We all went and did whatever we did together, right? But then when we would go to practice or in a game, if somebody wasn't doing what they're supposed to do. Or lack of effort, or just you know making bad decision plays. We weren't afraid to call each other out because we were so close. Which I'm not sure it's like that as much anymore at most programs. So me personally, I think that's why that team was so special because we all loved each other to death, but we were so quick. If you make a mistake, hey man, you got to fix that. And we still did, we didn't take it as personal as a personal attack. You know what I mean? Like we were quick to, you're right. Let's fix this. Let's get better. Let's do this as a unit because we actually really cared about one, our teammates, our staff, but we cared about the university. I think that was a huge thing. We actually cared about Florida golf because we cared about putting our basketball program on the map and and being really good. I think that's why, you know, we had the successes. We actually cared about the school.
0: Wow. That's, that's awesome. It's, it's cool to hear that side of the story. You never really think about that until you hear it firsthand experience. So we appreciate that insight. Yeah. Um that's pretty much all the questions we have for you tonight. Um you know, looking forward to seeing you whenever you make a return to Fort Myers. Hopefully it's at the USC game. Um that's going to be really cool to have USC in the Lico Arena.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's actually big time they were able to pull that off. That, that would yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be really cool. Uh do you have any other comments or or things to add for uh for any, for anything uh, this this upcoming season, anything else?
1: No, I, th- I think just as a whole, you know, I think even you guys and, and the people that really care about Florida Gulf Coast basketball uh, as a whole, like, you know, I'm really excited to see what next year brings. You know, obviously, why like we talked about earlier, he's really excited about a staff. He has some really good returning players and Caleb Cato who, who who has a chance to be really special, you know, and be a good leader for the team, like, I'm just really looking forward and excited to seeing, you know, what's next for them and this team and, and, and seeing, you know, them kind of build off the, the history and success that we've done before and, and kind of just keep it rolling. I think that, you know, as unfair as maybe to fly, you know, next year, this it, 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 is a good year for him with the, all of his players. And even if not, you know, the next year, you know, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to them, you know, winning some games and, and doing things the right way. And I, I think he's doing a, a heck of a job for kind of what he was left with. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching the next season, just like you guys are. So, and I really appreciate, you know, everybody listening and uh, my time at Florida Gulf Coast. I don't, I don't really hit on that too much, but I'm really appreciative. I love my time at Florida Gulf Coast and all the people around and, uh, and just appreciate them listening.
0: For sure. It can only go up from here and it's, it's just going to be exciting to watch it continue to grow. Um, you know, just like, just like the stock market rises, it always goes up and down, up and down. You can't go, you can't go 25 wins a, a season every single year. So
2: this ain't a business podcast, man.
0: <laughs> well, I'm recently getting into stocks, you know, unfortunately there you with, every, go. with every crisis, there comes a chance to buy some stocks and make some money. So I'm getting into it, but no, we appreciate your time, Brett. And, uh, hope to chat again soon.
1: Well, I appreciate you guys and, um, stay safe and, you know, hope we all hope we all is well with you guys and moving forward.
2: All right. Best of luck to you, man.
1: All right. Thanks guys. Thanks all Brett. Right,
2: have a good one. Bye.
1: See you.
0: Thanks again to Brett for joining us tonight. It was awesome to catch up with you and, and chat and we appreciate your time. That's all we have on this episode. And, hopefully we'll have another podcast in the near future. Um, I know Russell's got some articles cooking up for the off season, some speculation and, and we'll chat about that on the next one and be on the lookout for it on Twitter and Instagram and, and no one goes on Facebook. So just, if you're on there, look us up, but (laughs) you're not. Thanks guys. Go Eagles.